Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. I hope you're having a great day as we continue to celebrate the people who are working to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Look, we're coming off of a record uh, co- uh, cruising the coast event. Um, what a great opportunity it is for us to showcase not just coastal Mississippi, but Mississippi. I mean, the, we are the certainly the tourism economic engine, and I would argue the economic engine that drives this state. So with uh, this seminal event and cruising the coast, the, the Super Bowl of car events in America, what better way to show the 12 cities of coastal Mississippi? Uh, I want to also bring your attention, if you missed my conversation with Emma Benoit and Paige Roberts last week, Emma is a suicide uh, attempt survivor. And the conversation that Emma and Paige and I had was incredibly important. So if you have kids, even if you don't have kids, you ought to listen to that conversation. There's a lot of wisdom coming from Emma. Uh, Paige and I were deeply, deeply impressed with Emma. And it would be very interesting to watch Emma as she continues to aspire to reach her goals in life and continue to make an impact on young people who uh, are not looking to kill themselves. They're looking to relieve the pain. And uh, the conversation that Emma and Paige and I had about that is incredibly important and very touching. So if you missed it, go to Supertalk Gulf Coast or to the Ricky Matthews Facebook page or the Supertalk Mississippi YouTube page or your favorite podcast platform and listen. You'll be, I think you'll find that it's an important conversation. Now we're going to shift gears and move over to my friend Ashley Edwards. He's a uh, Gulf Coast, uh, really just an entrepreneur in general and uh, used to be the president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. He's also a very consistent Consistent and extraordinarily uh, well-read uh, Super Talk Mississippi news uh, contributor. He's a, he, he, what we call a thought leader. He writes columns for Super Talk Mississippi news, and I am thrilled that um, that 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 Ashley's joining me this morning. How you doing, Ashley? Hey, Ricky. Good morning. I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, man. Gosh, boy, cruising the coast. When we think it's going to get, you know, it's reached its peak, we hit another record. But man, they pick, they pick, they pick this time of year because they're trying to keep tourism going and whatever. And every now and then they'll get they'll get dinged by a a late season tropical system of some sort. But boy, we've been lately, we've been lucky recently. Every year is another record. It's incredible, really, isn't it? You know, it's it's incredible, Ricky, when you especially when you consider kind of where this event started and where it's come over all these years. Uh, and it really is a premier tourism event uh, in the nation right now. And, you know, you think about how incredibly important it is. You know, in tourism, it's not just getting folks to come into your market for a night or staying over in the casino. The ability to get people here for a number of days, have them see all of the small towns along the, the coastline, events in Jackson, Harrison, Hancock County, um, there are very few events that you could dream up that would have that kind of impact 
and that kind of visitation coast-wide. So what a gem cruising the coast is for Mississippi and for the coast. Yeah, you know, actually from the live remote that I had last week, I talked about the smiling faces and shiny cars and the and the Mississippi Coast tourism uh, economy on full display for the world to see. But the other thing I mentioned is that it's hard not to contemplate sitting there in town green uh, August 29, 2005, and, and, and then this year adding Waveland to the mix. So you've got all 12 cities that had some, some event related to cruising. And, uh, you know, by adding Waveland now, it's, we now can say that it is the most important event we do that showcases the unique diversity, the unique sense of place that exists in each of the cities that make up coastal Mississippi. And, and, then, and then, you know, this sort of poker run thing they do that where you can go to, from stop to stop and then get, get these stamps and have the opportunity to win money at the end. It's just perfect. I mean, it's just a perfect event. And then, and then our friend Woody Bailey doing what he does so well, and then Rob Siegler was posting photos from from uh, the headquarters there on the beach in Gulfport. Gosh, man, I mean, we're we're really lucky to have it, and it's just going to continue to get bigger and better. You know, Ricky, the only bad thing about cruising the coast is that every year when cruising is coming up, I have to sit there and talk myself out of buying a classic car just so that I can go do the cruising festivities. But wow, it really is a special event. It, it really is. Uh, look, um, you know, while we may have some some sloppy weather and whatever, the reality is we've been lucky this year as it relates to the tropical season. Uh, the the uh, you know the, the we we sort of knew going into this that we're going to have a big shear year. We knew as well that it might be more of an East Coast scenario, and that certainly played out that way. I certainly don't want to take anything away from what went into the the Big Bend area of. Uh, of uh, Florida, I mean, you you have significant interest there, uh, but we got lucky, didn't we? We've gotten really lucky, and you know the the difficulty we have in the springtime when you start hearing the University of Colorado and others talk about the, how active the season is going to be. You know, we've had a very active season, but it's where is the activity likely to occur based on uh, just the atmospheric setup, and so we've been we've been very lucky in the Gulf. Uh, we're lucky that uh, you know the storm Florida wasn't a lot more powerful than it was and didn't do more damage than it was. Certainly for those people that you know receive flooding damage and, and wind damage, uh, it's a horrible thing. But it really spared big population centers. And so, you know, all in all, compared to what 2023 could have been over the summertime, we were very lucky. And let's hope that that holds out. Um, you know, you and I were talking this morning, you're starting to see uh, some of that chirping in the long-term models that are showing the possibility of, of systems that could be uh, moving into the Gulf. But, you know, so far, so good. And it doesn't look like anything that's in the sort of the long-term view um, is in a position to get uh, real destructive or real severe. It's, uh, we've been very lucky. Let's hope that this holds into into next season. And of course, you say it all the time, Ricky, it's never a question of if, only a question of when. We're going to get major storms again. And so, uh, but you know, the great thing about it is this is one of the most prepared regions in the country. People down here take that seriously. Um, as you know, um, you know, the, the analysis that you give online about tropical systems that may be forming things, people engage in that. They watch it very closely. 
we have a sophisticated population when it comes to staying aware of tropical weather and tropical systems. Yeah, I noticed that, you know, it's interesting watching both WXXV uh, meteorologists and uh, WLOX meteorologists that, um, whereas before, they didn't talk a lot about the models and all that stuff, but they do now. And they, and they do it because they realize, as you pointed out, that people, especially in areas that have been hit before, that this sort of forces you to pay attention closer. And it's something, if the, if the model, everybody's aware of the models, they, everyone's signed up to a bunch of different weather blogs and all this stuff. So people are more aware, and you can't hide the reality. And, and the thing is, as long as you're not hyping, you know, you and I have seen hypers. I'm yeah. not a hyper. Um, as long as, as long as they have sort of someone's objectively sharing what the models are saying, and it's way too early to be concerned about it, and this is sort of what's coming together, uh, people can handle that. You know, they can they can really handle it. In fact, they appreciate it. To be honest with you, a lot of guys are out there raising money on their tropical sites, and they get paid because people become members of their spot site because they are hyping the heck out of it. And by the way, they've really enjoyed the uh, the East Coast scenario because New York City and New Jersey and up the East Coast, uh, they've become members of their of their tropical sites because of their hyping. I, I get that. I get that. But I, you're not a hyper, neither am I. But we do pay close attention, though, don't we? Well, and, you know, the, the, the predictive models are getting so much better. I mean, you think about 10 years ago when you and I were watching tropical systems and the model spreads that you saw compared to now. And so, you know, you're, you're just getting much better predictive systems. The inputs are better. So the outputs coming out of these systems are better. Um, and, you know, we, we've got a little greater certainty. And this is a very uncertain game to begin with. So, you know, I think the name of the game as it relates to tropical systems and preparedness is, you know, maximize people's time to make decisions and to prepare. And that's always the difficulty because people sort of feel paralyzed. I mean, look, as you know, it is very disruptive uh, if you get a mandatory evacuation in a place that doesn't get anything. Yeah. Um, you know, people have to close down their jobs and schools close and people have to make arrangements for pets and, you know, elderly and all the things that go into it. And so, the ability to give people a larger horizon of time to make their preparations and make their decisions is in everybody's benefit. You know, thankfully, the combination of technology and science and you know these models getting better over time is we're getting more prepared. Um, you know, the, the the recent system in Florida is a good example. It went almost right where the models thought it was going to go four or five days out, and that is not something we would have experienced even five years ago. That is uh, that is something. Pretty remarkable how good they're getting at that. Uh, in fact, on the other side, I'll mention you and I actually joined up in Panacea with Dr. Joe Paul and some others and had the opportunity to go to the Florida State USM game. That was terrific. But we got a chance to go see Panacea. And uh, boy, woo, but they dodged a bullet there. We'll, co we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards on the other side.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Ashley Edwards, who used to be the C- CEO of the uh, Gulf Coast Business Council. He's an entrepreneur. He's involved in all kinds of stuff these days, and he's a good friend. Uh, before we get away from tropical, I still am amazed. Is Adelia? Am I re- remembering that correctly? Yeah, Adelia. I want to think when I say Adelia, I think of an onion, but Adelia. You know, so it goes in. It gains so much strength as it's getting closer, but then it starts to kind of fall apart. Thank goodness, because if it had continued to gain strength, it you know the, that is a just like the area of Harrison and Hancock County in this area here, it's a surge magnet. And uh, the area where you and I had the opportunity to go in Panacea would have been on the good side of the storm, but still, as it approached, there could have been significant storm surge there, and it just didn't play out. Thank God it didn't play out that way. But I went on about a four-mile run while we were there, and you know there were a few branches down here and there, but man, it just dodged a bullet. And if you're going to be that close to the center, in a scenario like that, boy, it's better to be lucky than good sometimes, isn't it? Well, and you know, it just goes to show you how every storm is so different. I mean, the way that these tropical systems sometimes when they're making landfall will kind of pick up their winds and the strong winds will move up into the into the cloud towers and sort of away from the ground. I mean, you think about the comparison and contrast of Idalia and Florida and then Zeta. Uh, coming across the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Idalia was a much more well-structured, stronger storm that was hitting, and arguably the wind damage from Zeta here in Mississippi, which was a tropical storm that was sort of strengthening as it was landfalling, uh, was was much greater here. And so, you know, it's it, you, you just never know what you're going to get with these storms. Um, sometimes the winds will drop right down to the, you know, to the surface. Uh, sometimes they kind of pick up and um, you know, it's all about timing. It's, you know, where is that storm and its eyewall replacement cycle when it starts to make landfall? And what are the upper atmosphere? Can- <laughs> you know, I tell people all the time, you know, every every hurricane is something to be taken seriously. Thank God every hurricane is, is not Hurricane Katrina. Um, and uh, but, you know, hey, we're just we're just about a week now past um, the one year anniversary of Hurricane Ian. Uh, down in Fort Myers, which is an area I've spent a lot of time in over the past year. Uh, and that was a, a really devastating storm. That was the most expensive storm to ever hit the state of Florida. So, uh, you know, and there's really no rhyme or reason ultimately into how all this is going to go. And so it's why it's so important for people to just stay aware and stay engaged in this discussion, make good decisions. Boy, is it. It is so important. I can't tell you how important that is. Uh, People need to always stay prepared. Uh, They need to always think about where we go from here. And it is, is, uh, as uh, we always remind, um, Ashley did just a second ago. It's uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So we've got to always be prepared. I think we're, we've rebuilt in a way that's more resilient. And we've got, uh, I think things are going to be going to be better for us next time. That's for sure. Hey, listen, uh, one, one last thing on the game we went to for Southern Miss and Florida State. First of all, the Florida State people could not have been nicer and more hospitable. I think partly because they knew they were going to 
win that game. But but even if we had slipped up on them, they were still very nice to us. The other thing is that we got a chance to spend some quality time with uh, Dr. Joe Paul and his wife Meg and their son Daniel, who's a, as it turns out was a fraternity brother from my son Jordan. And as it turns out, that's your fraternity, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So somebody mentioned that to me the other day. I said, I'll be darned, man. It's a small world, isn't it? Small world. Um, you know, Joe Paul, what a great guy. Southern Miss through and through. I tell people all the time, I don't think that uh, I don't think you could invent a better president for the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, I'm real proud of him and proud of the work he's going to do. Uh, he's a guy that knows what Southern Miss is, what it means, who Southern Miss is. Um, he doesn't have to learn on the job. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so it was a real treat uh, to get to spend some time with him. You can't walk away from a conversation with him and not see the incredible passion he has for Southern Miss and for excellence at Southern Miss. Um, I wish that our football team had had made adopted a little bit of that over this season so far, uh, but but nonetheless, it, that was yeah. that was experience and really enjoyed to spend time well, with. Him. Look, his one of his favorite words is grit, and I I, I love that term as it relates to Southern Miss. There's, there's no doubt about that. The other thing is that I had the opportunity this uh, within the past couple of weeks to go to a reception honoring uh, Dr. Joe Paul in coastal Mississippi with the business community coming together and all that. It was extraordinarily well attended, hosted by Anthony uh, uh, to, uh, Anthony I almost said Anthony Tepazzi. Our old friend, Anthony DePazzi, but who unfortunately is no longer with us. But Anthony Wilson, the president of Mississippi Power Company, and it was uh, it was a terrific event. But but man, they are serious about about the Gulf Coast. The Gulf Coast has never really found its place in the scheme of Southern Miss. It's been very main campus centric all these years, kind of a fight between letting it go where it needs to go and trying to keep the center of, of power at Hattiesburg. But I think Joe Paul sort of gets that, and I think he's going to be begin to make adjustments around that, I think, where we're headed with blue economy. And most importantly, doing what Mary Graham is doing at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, listening to the business community. And as a result of that, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College now over 50% of their uh, students are enrolled in non-traditional education job. I mean, listen, job training that could pay six figures, buddy. We're not talking about you know menial labor here. We're talking about extraordinary training programs that can help people within a two-year period hit the ground running and some really good jobs. Southern Miss is going to start doing that now. They're doing it as we speak. And I think as a result of that, they'll start to make adjustments in the programs on the coast in a way that allows them to grow. We want it to grow. We want Southern Miss to be where the population is, and the population center is in coastal Mississippi. And uh, it's going to be fun watching Joe Paul sort of take all, all that in and make strategic adjustments based on it. There's no question. You know, and, and of course, Joe Paul is from the coast. He's from Bay St. Louis. So there's nobody that understands the importance of coastal Mississippi more than he does. Uh, you know, he's one of us. He's a local guy. Um, you know, the first call that I got from Joe Paul after he was named president uh, and in his you know, classic style, it, it wasn't a formality. It was a, a very practical and pragmatic call to say, you know, we want to do a better job in coastal Mississippi. And so, uh, you know, give me your feedback. Let's talk about what needs to happen there. What's not happening? I mean, he was he was on the job uh, every time that I have run into him. Since that conversation, he has mentioned the Gulf Coast campus, and of course, 
You know, Ricky, when I was at the Business Council, it's something we talked about a lot. You look at the data coming out of universities in Mississippi. Uh, State Auditor Shad White actually put something out a while back and showed that, you know, Harrison and Jackson County sees a net in-migration of college graduates coming from other places in Mississippi. And so, you know, we have one of the parts of the state here that college graduates graduating from colleges in Mississippi ultimately want to move to so they can get they can start careers and start their lives. So the ability to have more of those people here, more of those programs here is only to our benefit. I, I know that Joe Paul understands that. Uh, and he wants to leverage the coast to to make sure that uh, you know that, that the coast is getting its fair share of uh, of of programs and of attention and um, I think under his leadership, uh, that's probably going to be one of the best things that's ever happened for USM Gulf Park. I know what Chad White is doing, Ashley, is very unpopular in the higher education community. I know it is very unpopular. and um, But he's a smart dude. And what he's saying, we need to listen to. And, and he's not saying that we need to get whiplash changing our direction. He's just, what he's saying, he's making a fundamental point that the degrees that we offer too often do not lead to someone getting a job that is going to help move Mississippi forward in a, in a positive way. So he's just saying, man, we need to rethink this. Again, I bring up Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College again within the guise of that. What he's saying is we need to do what Mary Graham's doing. We need, we need to listen to what the stakeholders in the business community are saying. And one of the fastest ways to stop dr brain drain is to train people for the kind of jobs that are available in Mississippi. And, dude, these are, some these are good jobs. These are the kind of jobs that we're talking about involve a high level of training, but do not always require four-year universities. The four-year universities got to listen to what he's saying. The and you know this better than I do, but in the back of their minds, the, every president of every institution in this state of Mississippi, when they hear what he's saying, they know in their heart of hearts that he's right. As do most voters, I think. I mean, you know, look, it's hard to argue with pragmatism and fiscal conservatism and ROI on spending. I mean, you know, and I of course, look, and I was I read all of the things he put out. He had a lot of sort of online social media discussions, a lot of back and forth. Um, I think his politics are are in a very safe place with this because I think it's something that registers with voters in Mississippi. And I think you're absolutely right. Despite the pushback, some of it sort of philosophical, some of it. <laughs> It's hard to argue at the end of the day that if the state is going to be making investments, they need to be investments in helping people get good jobs, things that are going to show returns for the state, and, and not things that are just sort of nonsensical. And, you know, look, I don't think that you always have to have all of the, the rhetoric that comes in these political fights. In fact, I often think that it actually hurts the point because it becomes so rhetorically charged, you lose sight of the fact that, hey, there's just a real pragmatic solution here that's being offered. I can't agree more. In fact, I'll exa uh, exacerbate that point when we get on the other side. We're having a visit with Ashley Edwards, and when we get back, we'll continue the conversation. We'll see you after this. Reminding you. 
why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Ashley Edwards. I always enjoy having Ashley on because I never know where the conversation is going to go. And uh, he does a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading. We pay attention to stuff. And we generally try to stay out of the politics of everything, even though we might have private conversations about it. We don't typically get involved in the politics here. But let's let's come back to this point about Auditor Shad White. I think what he, again, I, I stand by what I said before, that the, 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 the important conversations he's raising about the kind of degrees that colleges and universities are offering are something we need to think about. And we need to do more outreach, essentially, like Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is doing and their really well-led uh, strategic planning efforts to talk to stakeholders, to think about what kind of opportunities should we be making available, training opportunities should we be making available for students. And it changes, the, it completely changes what you offer and how you offer it and the kind of programs that you offer. And it's smart when you're doing that strategic. You've got to listen to the community. That's the point that Shad White is making. What, what happens, though, is within the guise of, uh, and by the way, he could make all all those points and he can make them in a way that brings people together instead of dividing people. In other words, when he makes them and, and he wants to make some of his points within within sort of the populist conservative message of uh, the culture wars, for example, I think he I think he waters his argument down. He does he he he's not building a big tent when he does that. He and maybe this is what you have to do to win in Mississippi. I hate that part of politics in Mississippi. I really do, because uh, I, you know if I were him, I wouldn't go there. I would just because your point's good enough as it is, right? Is that what you were, that's what you were saying a minute ago? Yeah, I mean I think it stands on its own. You know, look I. I don't know Shad White well. I've interacted with him, obviously, in, in my professional role on a number of occasions. But I find him to be a real thought leader. He's a smart, smart guy, incredibly pragmatic, understands policy. And for someone like me, I look at that and say, hey, this is this is a guy that that I, you know, I'm really interested in, in hearing what he has to say. Um, and, you know, the way he constructs his arguments the way he uses data and research coming out of the auditor, auditor's office to support him. He, politically, he is very, very adept. Um, I suspect that some of the rhetoric maybe that I that I don't always, you know, necessarily love as much um, is also because of that smartness and that pragmatism is exactly what you said is that's just the world we live in. And so, yeah. you know, to, to sort of, you know, uh, keep Mississippi voters passionate in the base and sort of the culture wars that we live in, all of that comes along into it. Uh, but behind all of that, I think what impresses me the most about Shad White um, is there's real depth uh, and there's real intellectual rigor behind the things that he's doing. And so, um, you know, I just I, I find myself sort of reading his arguments, you know, reading the things that they put out and saying, wow, makes this makes a lot of sense. And I think probably a lot of voters feel the same way. Hey, man, you look at the bench in Mississippi right now, um, and I'm going to leave 100 people out, but think about Jason White coming in. I like the, the fact that if he is, and it, apparently he will be our next Speaker of the House, comes from a rural area, and we're going to have 
we're going to have important conversations around health care that we're not we're not going where we need to go on health care. That's the bottom line. We've got to re-engineer it, and we need leadership to focus on that. So you think about him. You think about Sean Tindall and Sean's you know emergence in, in the Republican Party. You think about Michael Watson. You think about Shad uh, White. And you know here's a here's a sort of a dark dark horse name that I'll throw out out there. Um, somebody I've just I think the, the world of, and that's Marie Sanderson. You know, yeah. Marie Sanderson used to be involved in Thad Cochran's policy and, and Governor Barber's policy. Uh, I saw her at a, ba- a football game last night, which is what brings it to mind. But, you know, I think Marie, Marie ought to consider running for statewide office. She ought to get in the, in the, in the, fold of becoming seen as part of that bench strength because she man she her work on the national level now what she's doing to understand middle america uh, she owns and is entrepreneurs and you know six seven different companies right now i mean this she is a force to be reckoned with and i i would like to see her name become part of the conversation but anyway long story story short uh the bench strength really looks good in mississippi so you know hopefully you know unfortunately Fortunately, they they all got to kind of play the game, you know. So we'll see how this all works out. Well, it's so much a part of the national, you know, the national narrative now. I mean, it's it's you know, it's culture wars every which way. You know, I, the thing that I worry about sometimes is that we good pragmatic public policy takes a back seat to the idea that you know we've got to sort of rhetorically get into these battles over everything and, and and it keeps people on the left in some cases from sort of hearing the the pragmatism of that and uh you know we can always kind of hope but look going into the 2024 presidential election i think this is only going to get worse before it gets better i mean we, we still have the worst to come buddy listen to me i'm sick at my stomach about congress yeah. that that the, the speaker mccarthy i don't think he had any choice let me put it that way but that P- speaker mccarthy sold his soul to essentially one person yeah and and those ro- roosters came home to roost and the fact that eight people could vote and turn the course of history the way that it just happened gosh man how do how do we get beyond this well, I think what's so amazing, Ricky, you know, and you've seen on social media and some of the news shows, the cover of the book, I believe it was it was from 2013, about 10 years ago. It's called Young Guns, and it had Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor of Virginia and Kevin McCarthy on the cover. And it was sort of highlighting these young, you know, up-and-coming Republicans in Congress. Uh, of course, this same sort of faction uh, ended up getting rid of all of them and they're all essentially gone now culminating with with kevin Carf- mccarthy being ousted as speaker um, some of it is self-inflicted ricky from the standpoint that i think kevin mccarthy knew when he made the deal to win the speakership um, that this was likely going to be used against him and so he's been governing with a gun to his head you know this entire time which which is no way to have to govern you know i tell people all the time and i, I probably said it on your show before there is such a vast difference between politics and governing and do not mistake one for the other what works in politics does not work in governing and that's because our system has been set up so that you have 
diversity and checks and balances and more than a small group of people that make the decisions. It requires compromise. It requires collaboration and discussion. It requires meeting in the middle. And we live in a political era right now that thinks that that is treacherous. You know, the idea that you would ha- that a Republican would have a Democrat vote for anything they want to do, they believe is a fireable offense. And I just wonder sometimes why the American people can't take a step back and say, do we really want to support the notion that it's a terrible thing for people to talk and collaborate and cooperate? I mean, it, it goes against everything in our normal, you know, in our marriages. We can't we can't live as if you know, we're just not going to talk or cooperate with our spouse, and hopefully we'll have a nice, sustainable life. The same thing is true with, with American society. We cannot continue to have politics that believes that any kind of collaboration with an opponent is somehow a fireable offense. You know, when, when uh, Governor Haley Barber worked in the Reagan White House, um, and he's told me these stories, I'm sure you've heard them too, where Tip O'Neill and... Uh, the president, President Reagan, would get together late at night and and have a drink together, and that uh, Haley was actually present during some of those conversations. I don't know how we got into a play. Listen, our our forefathers were smart as hell in the way they put this country together, and to create a Congress. Yeah, the Senate has what it has, and the Re- House of Representatives operates the way that it rep- the way that it operates, and um, what what you have is a process that is clumsy and slow and requires tremendous compromise, and it can be n- so hard to watch. I mean, the the whole notion of if you like laws and sausage, don't watch either one of them get made. But the, but the fact is that is so that nothing bad happens. <laughs> you know that. It, it's slow and clumsy for a reason because democracy, it's just, you know, it's different voices. It's diverse points of view. It's all those things. But you're right, man. When politics and, you know, the wedges that are being driven, when you think about the, the what the eight had to say, what, why they voted the way they voted, it's, uh, there's you know, at the end of the day, let's say that, that one of the eight has a reasonable point of view to make and that they're just trying to make the point that we're too far in debt and we've got to address that and whatever, but this is not the way to do it. You cannot do it the way they wanted to do it. We already know that Matt Gates is driven by ego and he's got questionable character and how do you reason with a guy like that, dude? But, but at the end of the day, that's what they did. They put, when when he agreed, to, when the speaker agreed to be the speaker of the house, he put all that power in that one man. And boy, going forward, let's pray that we don't do that ever again. Well, I think healthy cynicism is so important, Ricky, because at at the end of the day, I don't disagree with what some of these folks are saying, but I also don't believe that they really believe in it. I think they're just leveraging it to get the outcome they want. I think you may be right about that. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards. Awesome, awesome conversation. We'll see you after this.
back to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Ashley Edwards, and we're going to shift gears now. And that was, uh, I just pulled up X. And I was going to uh, check something, but I can't get it on here real quick. But, you know, when I think about Elon Musk, and you and I have had many conversations about him, the number of users at at Twitter now is at an all-time high, or at X, at an all-time high. So they've made, you know, they've cut, what, 75, 80% of their staff and they're moving rapidly toward the super app that we talked about where they offer payments and all kinds of other stuff. They never envisioned themselves just being a social media site. The functionality of Twitter is really good. I don't think how I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to copy that, you know. The, the and you know what what uh what Facebook tried to do is not even in the conversation anymore. Twitter is Twitter is it, and Twitter was going to stay it. I wish that Elon, when Elon, but see, I think once again, this is him trying to get back at the establishment, but Tucker leaves Fox. He comes over to X as the only delivery tool for his show, and good Lord, that's what I was trying to find real quick. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't bring it up fast enough, but the millions and millions of people to watch it. When, when when Elon posts a Tucker video, I just think that's the wrong thing to do. I wish he would stay out of politics at that level. I do, too. You know, I think probably a lot of his shareholders do as well. Um, I hold stock in some of his publicly owned companies. And every time he has a controversy and I see that stock price drop, I, um, I have that sort of exhale of saying, you know, Elon, God, I wish you would, you'd stick to making us an interplanetary species and not... Uh, get involved in the day-to-day minutia. Um, but it's, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about our time. I think historians will look back at our times and say, you know, it was amazing that people sort of, you know, have all these new platforms and, uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion now, which means that most of, most of them have just kind of become worthless. Um, and in some ways, I wish that Elon would, excuse me, Elon would keep his eyes on a, on a more important ball uh, than some of the stuff he's getting involved in, because what he does, and I think it's, you know, look, I mean, it's something that I've guarded against in my life. I know you have as well. What you don't want to do is ever give anybody the ability to to just dismiss you from the beginning. And what Elon Musk is doing, I mean, remember a guy five years ago who was very much sort of a hero uh, with progressives because of all the things he was doing, his focus on climate change, on building this electric car infrastructure, you know, in a very short period of time, he's now become sort of a hero of the far right because of his stances on free speech and his amplification of people like Tucker Carlson. And at the end of the day, I just don't know that any of that necessarily gets him closer to the big goals he has, which is really fundamentally altering our economy and our society. And, and you know, he's got the business acumen to do things that no one's ever done. Uh, I'd love to see more of that and, and less of the uh, less of the Twitter debates. So let's let's uh, let's remind folks that they're not tuned in. I'll share something with you that's incredibly powerful. Actually, Elon Musk. Own X, formerly Twitter, has one hundred and fifty eight point nine million followers. I mean, that is 
unbelievable. Significant. <laughs> that is significant. Okay. So I'm, what I'm trying to do is toggle down here when he was down on the um, on the border, you know, being a citizen journalist because you know the, what they're what Twitter's rolled out now, live video, and Lord have mercy, buddy, that's going to be significant. Okay, when he was down at the border, that video was viewed forty two point three million times. Okay, now as a point of comparison, uh, you know, prime time viewership of a major network. You know, they'll be lucky if they get over just over a million. You know, two or three million is kind of max. In fact, Tucker, I was checking while we were having this conversation, Tucker's been at, when he was at Fox, between two and three million. Um, so let me, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm moving up here. When he, when, uh, when Elon posted a recent conversation of Tucker Carlson, it got 20 million views. Remember, his show was only at max 3 million views when he was on Fox. Okay, so 20. So what I'm going to do now, though, real quickly, I'm going to move over to um, to Tucker. And he has 10 million followers. But because of reposting and all the stuff that happens, um, let's, uh, I'm just kind of toggling down for anything that's been sitting out there for any length of time. He, he did a conversation with Victor David Hansen about uh, the legal proceedings that are underway in New York City around Donald Trump right now. Viewed 37.9 million times, buddy. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. Here's another one with Bill O'Reilly, 21.5 million. Um, you know, another one, I mean, they're all way up there. Some, like a speech he gives, 4 million views. Another one, 22.3 million views. I mean, you, you see the point. And I think I think what Elon's doing is, it, it, he doesn't need to do it. That's the point. He, he, it just speaks for itself. Don't even do it. But he's wanting people to see he moved over from Fox, and this is the kind of numbers he's getting now. And it's gone like throwing salt back in their face. But I just think, I wish he could stay, I wish he could stay uh, out of the political fray, because I think what he's done to create a conversation around free speech is important. And we know for a fact that they were de they they were depressing stories about Hunter's laptop and all this other stuff. We know that for a fact. Um, we've come to the end of the segment. I didn't realize we were that close to the end of the segment. Ashley, thank you for joining me today. We'll keep this conversation going. Ricky, thanks so much for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. It's been great. This has been Ashley Edwards. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.